So around this time of year, how many of you are at school taking tests? Tests, yeah, tests. So this is especially true. I've got news for you. Those of you who are looking forward to entering into high school and college and all those things, at the very end of the school year, you oftentimes find yourselves taking lots and lots and lots of tests. This may be true of you already. You may be wrapping up the school year, having to finish your math tests and your English tests and your social studies or history tests, whatever the case may be. And here's the thing. Some people, it's rare, but some people love tests. Anybody in here like, oh, man, can't wait to go to school and take a test. Okay, so some people like tests, but raise your hand if you are like, the majority of people, and you cringe at the very word test. You hear test, and you're like, ah, ah, oh, that's, that's all right. All right. So for the next two weeks, right, we have two more weeks of electric before we kick off our summer stuff. We are going to talk about two different tests that nobody likes. But every person on earth has to deal with these tests, and they are very hard. So I'm going to tell you the two tests, okay? The two tests that everyone deals with but nobody likes that are mentioned in the Bible are the two T tests, which are temptations and trials. And we are going to focus tonight just briefly on temptations. So temptations are a super hard test because here's the thing about temptations. It requires you to say no to something that you want, okay? So temptation is it to, to, to face this test. In order to, to succeed in this test, you have to say no to something that you desire. And I'm not just talking about, you know, like, I'm tempted to eat a Snickers, and I must say no. So I, that is part of it. But I'm talking about things that are a little bit more serious than that. And so temptation, if I were to give you a, a, de, a definition, is this. Temptation is a desire that seeks to drag you into sin. And to, to define what sin is, sin in the Bible, and really just the word sin, means to miss the mark. So if there were a target and you were aiming for it, Sin is when you miss the mark. That's the literal meaning of sin. But more specifically, sin is when you commit an act of rebellion against a holy God. All of us do this. But here's the thing. A lot of those sins that we commit are things we want to do. And so that's what makes fighting against temptation or having to face the test of temptation so hard is because it's something we actually desire. And that's why a minute ago I asked some of you, what is a food that's really hard for you or almost impossible for you to say no to? That's because you know what it's like to want something, see it, and then take it. And there's nothing wrong with eating those things that you mentioned. But when it comes to sin, there are times where we want to do something we know is wrong, but we still want it, and so we choose to sin. So what I want to do is I want to help you not ace, because I don't know that anybody aces the test of temptation except for Jesus, right? 
Jesus aces the test of temptation. He gets a A plus and he overcomes and he says no to temptation. But we don't ace it, but we can learn to fight. The Bible teaches us actually to make war against sin. That means to battle against your sin, to fight against your sin, to fight against temptation. And so I want to share with you three things really fast before we jump in our small groups that will help you in this test against temptation. The first is this. In order to say no to temptation, in order to do well on the test of temptation, we have to identify the source of temptation. We have to identify the source of temptation. And here's, here's what's um, interesting about this. I've heard so many people say when they are being tempted, they will blame other things for their temptation. And I'll give you an example, okay? And there is some truth to this, but I want to, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of what the source of temptation is. So an example of this is years ago on the news, there was a man who committed a murder. That is a sin, obviously. And he committed the murder, and he said during his court trial, the devil made me do it. That is to say, I'm not responsible. I, I didn't want to do it. The devil made me do it. And oftentimes I think what we can do with our temptation is we, can, we fall into it and we say, well, it wasn't my fault. Satan lured me into it. And there is truth to that. Satan is involved in temptation, but he is not the source of temptation. Do you, I want to read to you a verse. This is, uh, this is out of James chapter 1, verse 13, okay? 13 and 14. I know it's on the screen so you can read along. It says this, Do not let anyone say when he is tempted that he is being tempted by God. Right? Never blame God for temptation. God is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But check this out. This is important. Each person is tempted when he is lured or she is lured away and enticed by his or her own desires. In other words, the source of your temptation is you. And the reason that that is the case is because you and I, all of us in this room, every single person you rub shoulders with in the world, we all have within ourselves evil desires. And see, here's the thing. A lot of times we think of evil and we think of like horror films or crazy things that we would, we would be like, oh, I'd never do that. But here's the thing. Evil, the definition of evil is taking something good and twisting it. And we all do that, right? Even like, say, the, the example, uh, someone mentioned brownies. It's fine to eat a brownie. But it's not fine to pound 7,000 brownies because that's gluttony. That would be taking something good and twisting. In fact, you'd be sick. It's not good for you. It could cause health problems. So, so twisting something good and making it evil, we can do that. And so it's important to know this, though, because when you are saying no to temptation, you're actually saying no to who? To yourself. You realize that? So, so you have to realize that to fight temptation, you are saying no, not to anybody else, but you are saying no to yourself. You are saying, self, even though I want this, even though it's wrong for me to want this, I will not do it. And so it's an internal battle, which means what? You cannot blame anybody else for your sin. So 
That's the first thing is you've got to identify the source of your temptation, and that is you. The second thing you've got to do if you want to say no to temptation is you have to look past the bait and see the consequences. Now, there's a lot of people here in this area that go fishing. Let me tell you, it's really hard to catch something in the water without bait. But here's the thing that we often forget. A fish or whatever it is you're trying to catch, maybe a snapping turtle, I don't know, a crayfish. Those creatures that you're fishing for, you put the bait on the hook, right? Is the hook going to be friendly to the fish? It's not. And here's what we do is oftentimes we forget that behind the thing we want, generally there is a hook or consequences that are awaiting us that are detrimental to us. And that's the very reason God says, don't bite that because once you do, yes, the the bait is nice. It's like, oh, this will be fun. This will be a good experience. It's going to be worth it to, to, to do this sin. But what we don't realize is when we make the decision to sin, then we have to face the consequences. And there are three consequences that the Bible teach us that are involved when you sin, right? So if the consequence for a fish biting the bait is a hook, the consequence for us is, is three things. The first is physical death. It says the wages of sin is death. And here's the thing. People actually die because of sin. The very reason that we die on this earth, human beings were created for eternity, and we die, we experience physical death because of sin, right? Right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God said, cursed is the ground to you because of your sin. Cursed is the ground because of you. But, and it's not his fault. He's not punishing them. It's a consequence of their decision, their action to sin, to choose to rebel against the holy God. And so he's saying, listen, because you sin, that's why death is in this world. If you ever wonder why loved ones, and I'm not trying to emotionally play this emotional like poke at emotions here, but if the reason that loved ones die, the reason that we get sick, the reason that things in this world go badly is because sin entered into our world. And that is, by and large, all of ours, not any one particular person, all of our responsibility, and we bring that consequence. So every time you choose sin, you are flirting with physical death. But the second part of that is it's not just physical death, it's eternal death which the Bible refers to as separation from God in a place we call hell. Now, the, the painful thing about how a lot of people like use hell to be this really scary thing, and believe me, it, it is, but you don't, have to, you don't have to create this narrative of being scary because the Bible says things like it's a place of never-ending fire. I think that the Bible uses those words, those things to describe it because here's what I want you to understand. Hell is eternal separation from God. Everything in your life that is good, every single thing that you can think of, relationships, love, all those things are a gift from God. And eternal separation from God is saying God is no longer with you. So like even right now, as you're sitting here, whether you're a Christian or you're not, God is pouring out goodness in your life for you to continue to sin and never ask for forgiveness is for you to say, I want the consequences of Sin, which ultimately in the end will be separation from the goodness of God. That's what makes hell hell. It's the absence of God's goodness. You do not want to be there, but that's the consequence of, of sin. 
And then the, the third is spiritual death. Again, that's death of intimacy with God. See, any hopes you have of getting close to God when you sin, it's like, how many, you guys know this, when you can't have both. You can't have like closeness to God and then choose to live a life of sinfulness. You feel distance from God, and that's not because he's left you. It's because you've shoved a giant wedge between yourself and God. So those, look, you've got to, when you're feeling temptation, remind yourself, it's not worth it because then I have to deal with all these crummy consequences that leave me feeling shame and guilt, and then I feel so far from God, and not to mention, like, it's the very thing that put Jesus on the cross, right? And that's the good news, right, of course, is even though there's consequences for our sin, there was a Savior that came to save us. But the Bible says never to abuse the grace of God. The way we abuse the grace of God is, well, Jesus, forgive me, so I'll just do it anyway. That is not a fun game to play, and really, it's a kind of horrible thing to do to someone that loves you so much, right? And Jesus loves us so much. The final thing, and this is what I'll close with, is, okay, again, so you have one. First thing you've got to do to say no to temptation, identify the source. That is you. The second is you've got to look past the bait to see the consequences. But the third, and I think probably one of the more important things, is you've got to kill the monster before it consumes you. Or kill, or yeah, on the screen it says, kill the pet before it becomes a monster. I want to tell you a story. So there was a particular, this is an urban legend, but some say it's true, some say it's not. I don't know if it's verifiable, but there was a lady who had a pet snake, okay? And she, she would, she was very close to the snake, and they say, the people if that, you know, tell you how, how you take care of snakes. You are to never sleep with a snake, okay? Now, now, so this particular lady, she would spend nights at home, and she would bring kind of like, like a lot of us do with our dogs. Like, come on, just come in here with me and just lay to sleep. So she did this with the snake, and she did this for a while, and then over time, the snake was acting funny. It's, it's so it... it it stopped really moving and it started like just laying stiff and she's like oh i gotta take it to the veterinarian so she took this snake to a veterinarian and the vet was like so tell me like just be honest with me have you been having the snake sleep in in bed with you at night and and she was like yes and she and 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 he was like here's the thing we're gonna have to put down your snake because your snake is stretching itself out to eat you. But there's actually a spiritual lesson from this. Because here's what we do. There are certain sins in your life that you toy with, right? And you know they're wrong, but you're like, it's not that big of a deal. And you kind of, you have these little pet sins where you just kind of do them occasionally. No one really knows about them. You, no one really, you don't really open up and share your struggles with anybody. They're just kind of your little pet sin. And here's what the Bible teaches, and this is what James says, is look, look out. Because if you, if you feed that pet enough, and you play with it enough, and you, you toy with your pet sins enough, eventually they will devour you. And I can, I can tell you, as a pastor of nearly or over 10 years now, I can tell you that I have met many, many, many students and adults who played with sin for, for, for a little bit too long and then found themselves in an unfixable 
I'm not saying unforgivable. Don't, don't misunderstand me. They can still be forgiven by God. But an unfixable situation because they played with sin so long that it devoured them. And it ruined their lives. And it, and it, and it ended the, the goodness that they could have experienced if they would have said, you know what? No, temptation. I'm saying no to you. I'm saying no to myself. I'm going to trust Jesus. And, and here's how, if you were wondering, you go, well, how do you kill the, like in the story, obviously, the vet puts the snake down. But how do you kill a sin that you're you're playing with too much? Right. And you're 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 not putting to rest. Here's how you do it. You ask Jesus. That's one. You you open up the word of God to give you the strength to say no. That's two. You don't wait until it's too late. And you tell somebody, that's huge, right? You confess it to someone. Hey, this is something that I'm struggling with. I need help. I can tell you, as I have had sins in my life. The only way I experience freedom is by opening up to somebody that's close to me, not just anybody, someone that's close to me that I can trust. And I say, listen, this is what's going on in my life. I need help. I need prayer. I need, I need accountability. I need you to, to help me say no to this thing. And then you don't feed the desire, and that is to say you don't put yourselves in situations where you're going to be tempted, right? For, I'm just going to use lust as an example, but if you struggle with lust as a young man, looking and that lust being defined as looking at a woman um, in a way that's inappropriate, and or a gr- girl, same thing, looking at a man in a way that's inappropriate, that sin right there, if, if that tempts you, you probably shouldn't put yourself in a situation where it's very easy to see it, whether that's watching certain TV shows that put you into temptation or going to the mall and walking down into certain stores. You should avoid those things that are going to cause you to fall. So those are the ways that you can fight and kill sin before it becomes a monster that's unmanageable, unfixable, so to speak. Not unforgivable, but unfixable.